What's up, Gator Nation? Happy game week once again. Welcome to another in-season episode of the In All Kinds of Weather forecast. It's a thrill that we get to be able to say that. We're breaking down an opponent this upcoming week. The offseason is over. A game has been played, and Florida is in the top 15 for the first time in, uh, well, almost a year because the Gators did start out 2021 on a nice note, but Gators are back where they belong in the top 15, another top 20 matchup with the Kentucky Wildcats coming up this upcoming weekend, and we will talk about all of that momentarily. I am your host, Neil Shulman. You can follow me on Twitter at All Kinds Weather, on Instagram at All Kinds Weather Blog, on Facebook and YouTube under the name In All Kinds of Weather. Joining me today, my co-host, Chris Yanes. You can follow him on Twitter at Mr. Chris Bits and my co-host, Dustin Smith. You can follow him at I-A-K-O-W, Dustin. Before we welcome them on and we get to the main presentation tonight, quick word about our sponsors slash partners. We're proudly partnered with the Gator Good Foundation, the nonprofit organization that sends underprivileged Gator fans to the swamp. Gator Good Foundation collects donations from fans and uses those donations to bring someone to his or her first ever Florida Gator football game. We pay for flights, for rental cars, hotels, game tickets, gear, food, swag, and just generally make sure that they have the swamp experience of a lifetime. We are about to announce our winners for 2022. We will be bringing them to the game against Missouri on October 8th. But if you believe you or someone you know is worthy of the honor for next season, please email us GatorGoodFoundation at gmail.com. To donate to our cause, if you are willing and able to, of course, please go to GatorGoodFoundation.com and click on the donate button. Second, we're proudly sponsored by Stingray Branding. These folks will put a sting in your marketing and deliver results that will wow your clients. Whether it's web design, logo design, branding, graphic design, social media management, search engine optimization, marketing strategy, or mobile app design, Stingray Branding has you covered. If you or someone you know needs professional help in any of the above, here are three great reasons why you should choose Stingray Branding. One, it is a veteran-owned business. Can't think of a better way to properly thank those who serve our country than by giving the business. Number two, it is run by a UF alum and diehard Gator fan. Three, they've got the in all kinds of weather stamp of approval because they just did our new branding, our new logo, our new website. Um, and they did the new Gator Collective website. They did the Gator Good Foundation website. And they've still got more Gator-related stuff on the horizon. To check out their services and rates, go to stingraybranding.com. And with that all taken care of, y'all know the vibes. Y'all know the drill. Pod two of the week. That means we're in season. That means we've got a big game just in the rearview mirror, an even bigger game. Yeah, that's right. An even bigger game on the horizon. This is an SEC game, Gators, Kentucky. We know the deal. They've beaten us twice in the last four years. They've gotten mouthy. We've gotten maybe a little complacent against them. We've got another chance to possibly and hopefully right that wrong and get ourselves off on the wrong or get us off, get ourselves off on the right foot and avoid getting off on the wrong foot in SEC play. Chris, Dustin, let's do it. Let's talk Gators and Wildcats. How you guys doing tonight? I'm sure you can hear my voice. Uh, not only am I recovering from the Utah game, but on the way back, I guess I picked up something because I was incredibly sick Sunday and Monday, but I'm starting to feel a little bit better. Um, and I'm glad to be a part of this. Certainly excited about going back to the swamp this weekend for this epic matchup. Now a ranked matchup between the AP number 12 team in the country in Florida and the number 20 team in the country, Kentucky. 
yeah, likewise on that. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty stoked for the first SEC game and definitely ready for some revenge. Last year's game was, was the beginning of the end for the Dan Mullen era and might have been a good thing in long in the long run, but it still sucked at the time to, to take that loss to, to Kentucky in the, in the fashion that we did. And I think this is a team that has got a lot of overhype in the offseason um, from the prognosticators and the analysts out there. I, I'm ready to prove them wrong this week, that Florida is on the ascend. Florida has the ability to compete in the division as one of the two best teams in the division. So, and I think Saturday night we, we look to make that statement. So I can't wait. Yeah. Uh, definitely agree with both of y'all that it's going to be great to go and uh, cheer on the Gators in orange, mind you, anyone wearing blue will be assumed to be a Kentucky fan. So let's not do that. We did our Kentucky recap 2021 episode as y'all can probably surmise about 11 months ago. So we're not going to go too deep into that now, but I think the first point of our preview pod needs to be that Florida played a game that we're not going to remember fondly. It was not the, the quality of football that the Florida Gators should play. And yet one of the flukiest plays in football, a blocked kick six was the reason Kentucky won. Florida played a horrendous game that night and still only because of a fluke play did they actually lose the game. Now, Kentucky's lost a lot of pieces from that team. Wondell Robinson is now catching passes for my New York Giants. Josh Pascal, the playmaking defensive lineman, no longer there. Chris Rodriguez is suspended. He was supposed to be on their team this year. He will not be playing in this game. Will Levis, the quarterback, is going to be the one throwing the ball. We'll talk about him momentarily. He's got some talent. He's got he's got a good arm. He's got, I'd say, good field awareness. But there's not the talent around him. Certainly, there's not the experienced talent around him that there was a year ago. So we remember the game last year for being a loss because Florida played badly. But it should be remembered as a game that that Florida lost on a ridiculously fluky play to a team that was more talented and more experienced than this team they're going to play this week is going to be. Yeah, in addition to that, too, if you just kind of deep dive into the statistics of that game, in the words of Dan Mullen, we had more yards than they did. Well, I mean, when you do have more yards than a team, we had um, nearly 200 more total yards of offense than them in that game. And when you do that, you should win the game. But when you look deeper, we had, that was the game we had 15 penalties. And one costly one where we had, I believe it was the hold or the illegal block on the run that went for first, would have been first and goal Florida. We were up at the time, I believe, 10 to 7 in the game. We put that ball in the end zone there. We're up by 10 late in the third. You probably win the game, but instead it was a hold. We end up having to attempt a long field goal and the block kick six ensues. So, you know, the difference for me that I'm looking for this year is, and I think we saw improvement of this last Saturday night, was eliminating the, the little things like the penalties, playing more discipline. That is going to reduce your margin for error where even if a freak play like that happens it's not the reason why you lose the game you actually could overcome it and still win the game so eliminating those types of mis mental mistakes in the game is gonna uh, help us avoid a situation from that happening again 
Well, I mean, you think about the oddity of all oddities for the University of Florida football program, and that was the fact that Florida's offensive line was spooked out by a crowd of, what was it, 59,000, 61,000 or so. Well, Kentucky's going to be coming to a place that's got time and a half the atmosphere, time and a half the crowd capacity, probably time and a half the rowdiness too. I mean, Kentucky, Kentucky fans got loud. I'll give them their dues there, but the swamp at full throat is significantly harder to navigate through than Kentucky's Kroger field is at, at its full throat. So now Kentucky is going to be the one with a relatively inexperienced offensive line. I was, I will say, we'll talk about this as our next point, but I actually watched a little bit of their tape from their first game of the season. I had thought that they were going to be a lot stronger, a lot nastier in the trenches. There are a lot of holes there on that offensive line. And now they're going on the road for a game that really matters against the team that I think for the first time, I mean, in 2019, I guess they did, but for the first time in, in it feels like several decades, the Gators want blood against Kentucky. They are out against Kentucky. They are seeking out Kentucky. Now they're mad at them. I mean, yeah, they were mad in 19 too, because they beat them the year before, but it, it just it didn't feel the same way. It was a different vibe going into that game. Obviously, that game wound up playing out very differently with a different storyline of, of Franks going down. But Florida feels like they have like they have zeroed in on Kentucky and and gotten them directly in their crosshairs for the first time in in a long time. So, uh, Dustin, I mean, what what are your thoughts about the 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 walk up to this game? Obviously. The, in the aftermath of, of what took place against Utah, the, the celebration, the excitement, the, the victory. I just think that Billy, what Billy Napier said in his, in his press conference coming into the week um, this past Monday, it, it, this is not time to crown the Gators. The, the film was sloppy. There was a lot of things that we saw that the Gators got improved um, defensively. There's, there's no reason why a team that is as talented as Florida should give up that, the kind of drive that we gave up at the end of the game. If Amari Bernie does not make that interception, we likely don't win the game because, because um, one of the best quarterbacks in the country in, in Cam Rising will have at least two more downs to um, potentially score a touchdown. Or tie the game with a field goal. What what I mean by that? There's so much more that we have to see from this Gator team, and the big thing that I'm looking forward to seeing is improvement. We know Anthony Richardson is all world, but there's no doubt in my mind that as long as the Gators continue to perform well, he's going to be a Heisman candidate. Will he win it? Uh, probably not. You got you kind of got to be on the best team to to win the Heisman. But what does is, what is the rest of the team look like? What, what does our defensive line look like? What, 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 what do our safeties look like? Um, can our receivers catch the uh, run better routes? We know they can catch, but can they run better routes, get get some space, and, and, and make yards after catch? That, that's what I want to see against Kentucky. Yeah, for sure. I mean, all, all good points. I think in addition to Florida being hungry for Wildcat food, they're also just hungry, period, because of what you mentioned last week not being the performance that they wanted. They won the game. Sure, that's great. That's awesome. You know, they deserved 
to celebrate that night. They deserve to celebrate for 24 hours, but got a lot of work to do, man. The, the run defense was, I mean, just wasn't good. I mean, Utah is not a terrible rushing attack, but if I were to stack them up against other SEC schools and, and rate their running games, Utah wouldn't be top five. Florida's is better than theirs. Georgia's, Alabama's, Texas A&M's, all better than theirs. Probably LSU's is better than them. They, they, they have the horses behind a very talented offensive line that's laden with five stars. So talent-wise, I probably would put theirs behind five other SEC teams at least. And Florida's going to have to beat these teams if they, especially A&M and Georgia, because they're on their schedule, Alabama will will await in Atlanta. But Florida's going to have to beat these teams if they want to achieve the goals that are set out for the Gators every football season. So one game at a time, though. Kentucky, let's just start with them. And, and let's start with the, the thing that we're just talking about in the rush defense, because Kentucky's not going to have Chris Rodriguez. Their offensive line was was suspiciously bad in their first game against Miami, Ohio. And I say suspiciously bad in the sense that I refuse to believe it's that bad in actuality. Because Kentucky only got two yards or two yards of pop on the ground. And that's against Miami, Ohio. So like something doesn't add up there because Kentucky's offensive line is known to be physical. Maybe not the most talented. But Mark Stoops has them physically ready to play, ready to maul people. They just have that 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 sort of street fighter attitude. And something didn't didn't really seem right about that stat. And then when I watched the tape and it, yeah, I mean, it, it backed it up. Yeah, they only got two yards of pop. That wasn't a mistake on the stat sheet. That was the reality. So, I mean, Chris, what, what are you particularly looking to see out of our, our run defense uh, this, this upcoming week? Certainly improvement, and if Miami of Ohio, with the caliber of athlete they have compared to ours, can hold Cavassier Smoke and that Kentucky team to two yards of carry, we certainly should be able to match that effort at home. So that's something I'm definitely going to look for to see if we can if we can improve our run defense against a team that's struggling to run the football through the first game of the of the season. The other thing that I'm interested in seeing, I think, with Kentucky too, Mark Stoops and his team. I think in order for them to have success, they almost they have to go uh, they have to play more man than zone. Well, Mark Shoup doesn't like doing that. He doesn't like playing man. He likes playing zone. Is he going to go against his defensive philosophy in order to give his team a chance to stop Anthony Richardson? They have some very young linebackers in their core that are going to have to spy him throughout the game. You know, that inexperience, I think, is an advantage for Florida. You know, and I there, I don't think Kentucky has an athlete on the field defensively that can keep up with him. So I'm curious to see if they're able to game plan something against him to slow him down. I just don't think they have the athletes to do it. I think there are very few teams in the country that have athletes on the defensive side of the ball to do it, quite frankly. So... I think Florida has a huge advantage going into this game, all things considered, with the suspensions that they're dealing with, coupled with the fact that they're off to a slow start and they just don't look like the same Kentucky team that they were last year, mainly because of the departures that they suffered on top of that at, with the suspensions. So can Florida take advantage of that? And I, and I really am looking for Florida to flex its, its talent this weekend in the Swamp. I think they have the, the ability to do it. 
So, Chris, you bring up a, an interesting talking point about Mark Stoops' preference of playing man versus zone on defense. And here's where I like to talk about how Kentucky is a street fighter of a program. I make no shortage of references to that. And I do think that they are going to fight hard and, and play hard and, and play even beyond their capabilities because that's just what they do when they play the Florida Gators. But you talk about guys on the team that can make a difference in whatever scheme, whatever look Mark Stoops wants to throw at Florida. There is one guy, DeAndre Square, that, that I am afraid of. That is one athlete that I think could make a difference. Because that is one guy that I, on defense that I think Florida has to be wary of because he is capable of, of wrecking a game plan if you're not careful with him. I don't think you can say that about the rest of the guys on that defense. Um, I mean, may, maybe Valentine in the corner, but I, I mean, pound for pound, Florida's offense should have the head-to-head matchup advantage pretty much everywhere. Uh, I mean, I mean, even Florida's receivers, I mean, Ricky Pearsall should have a very good game. Justin Shorter should have a very good game. Florida's receivers, probably not the group you're going to be able to say that about too many times this year against SEC opponents, especially when you go up against the likes of LSU and Georgia and even Texas, not even, A&M does have a lot of athletes, but LSU, Georgia, Texas A&M, certainly Alabama, if Florida gets to a point where they can face Alabama. This is the one game, I think, aside from, obviously Vanderbilt, the Florida is going to go up against SEC opposition where you could say that Florida has a distinct advantage in the passing game because Kentucky's secondary, I don't think is, is up to par with Florida. It's not a terrible secondary, but they just don't have the experience back there. Plus the talent that I, I think is, is equipped to deal with Florida. So Dustin, I mean, let, let's get your thoughts. I know your, your voice is kind of, kind of raw and uh, we're, we're going to, we're going to limit your, your speaking tonight so you can save your voice for, for Saturday, because that's when you really need to have it. But give give me a matchup that you're really you're really focusing in on, and that you think if Kentucky is to pull this off over Florida, that they that they have to win. What is that for you? Well, Neil, I'm I'm uh, super pumped to be on this podcast. Um, for a minute, I was wondering why y'all didn't get uh, uh, Doring on for this one. I know he would have really enjoyed talking about his favorite Kentucky team. Anyhow, so you know me, Neil. You know how much I love and study the quarterback position. And so looking at Will Levis, a guy who has been touted as one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC, um, I'm, not, I'm not super certain that he's that. I'm not super certain that he's one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC. You know, my orange and blue glasses, I'm going to say that Anthony Richardson is up there. Um, anyhow, he, he's, he's throwing the ball pretty good. He got over 300 yards, uh, 65% completion, um, was, was pretty efficient in, 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 the, in the previous uh, week one matchup. And he's a guy that, that uh, he's a senior. He's offering leadership to his team. And I think a matchup that we're really going to have to look for is the Kentucky pass game versus our secondary, especially when it comes to our linebackers and coverage. Now, I know that Amari Bernie got that amazing interception that that won us the game. But before that, we straight up struggled in terms of um, pass coverage from the linebackers. It was sort of a replay of last year in some regard. Um. We, I know that Utah had one of the best tight end 
groups in the country, probably second only to Georgia, who we'll see in, in a little over a month, month and a half, I should say. But man, I, I really want to see our defensive backs, our safeties, and our linebackers uh, rise to the occasion in terms of uh, covering the pass. You have to do it, especially when you look at a guy as talented as uh, Will Levis throwing the football. Sure, sure. I mean, that, that's good analysis. Um, I am surprised you mentioned Will Levis's name without discussing the type of mayonnaise he puts in his coffee. I mean, I mean, doesn't doesn't one of our quarterback recruits like uh, broccoli in his PB and J or something like that? That is true. That, Marcus is, true. Does that. Yeah. that is that is weirder. Um, but anyway, con- condiments in in coffee aside. I think that Levis is the kind of quarterback that if if you bust, if your if, if your defensive players just don't know what their assignment is, if there's a receiver streaking open, yeah, he'll torch you, he'll beat you, he'll make that play. I don't know that with a defensive line uh, of SEC caliber bearing down on him, he will consistently be able to make the tough plays. He may make some, but I don't think he makes them consistently over a 60-minute four-quarter game. And that is where we get into our discussion of the Florida defensive line because they made a couple plays on Saturday against Utah. They made the ones they had to. The front seven, really, as a whole, made a few. They didn't make a lot of them. And and really, you look at the the pick that Miller dropped, that could have ended the game and avoided the last bit of, of drama there. But Florida's defensive line was not looking very good against the run, and they didn't really generate a ton of pass rush either and that's where i wonder does that change against kentucky's offensive line because i had cut like i said earlier i I came into the season thinking all right they're not going to be the most talented but they're going to be physical they're going to be nasty they're going to play beyond their potentials against florida because this is a game like fans typically say about teams that you know, beat them a lot. This is their Super Bowl. This is the game that they get up for that they want to win more than most others on their schedule, aside from maybe Tennessee. So I imagine that Kentucky will play better. I imagine that the tape will look better of their offensive linemen. I imagine they will rush for more than 1.9 yards a pop. I, I Again, like I said, that just seems suspicious, Like almost like they weren't even trying to get more than that, just to, I don't know, what kind of mind game or gamesmanship it is, but it, it feels like something's off. It feels like that can't possibly be an accurate representation of their offensive line. So guys, with that all being said, what do we think of that matchup of Florida's defensive line? And, and I guess more generally their defensive front, their front seven against Kentucky's O-line. Well, this is an offensive line that gave up four sacks last week to Miami of Ohio. I'm looking for, you know, it was unfortunate. I don't, we didn't get a sack in the Utah game. I'm looking for multiple sacks in this game. They have the pass rushers to do it. And people like Britton Cox, Brinsley, Emmanuelin, uh, Antoine Powell. I think this is a, these, we have the rushers that can get to the quarterback. Uh, I'm looking for that this game. So I think this is a matchup we can exploit based on what we saw on film in week one. Like I mentioned at the top, I think we need to show that we can hold this team to a similar uh, yards per attempt that Miami of Ohio did. So I, I like this matchup for us. There, To be honest, just looking at it, there are very few matchups 
if any at all, that I think Kentucky may have an advantage over, doesn't have an advantage over us. And I think this is one where I think Florida has an opportunity to exploit and get some and get some much needed confidence moving forward into deeper SEC play. So I just want to make sure that that you said that right. Yeah, you you think that there are not many matchups that Kentucky has a head-to-head advantage over Florida. Correct. Yeah, I think Florida has tons of advantages at every single unit that you can imagine, position group you can imagine uh, on the field this Saturday. Right. So it, it it probably was the zoom, but I, I didn't hear the the int at the end of of does. I, I thought I heard you say Kentucky does have, but it, it, it looked like your lips were moving. So I, I thought that's what you said, but I tried to make sure. <laughs> okay. Dustin, let's shift over to the other side. Florida's offensive line, which looked great against Utah, uh, against Kentucky's front seven, which, as I mentioned, does have some pieces. They do have DeAndre Square, but does not pound for pound have the caliber of athlete that Utah had. So what do you make of this matchup? I think Florida has a, has a good shot to match up with Kentucky's defensive front. I think when you look at our offensive line, you, you look at uh, Osiris Torrance, of course, uh, Richard Garage, um, Kingsley. I mean, we have one of the top offensive lines in the SEC in, in, uh, from, from my observation. I think pro football focus would also agree with that, which – for the lines of scrimmage, I tend to look at pro football focus for evaluation purposes. And I, I really think that that's a matchup that we're really going to be successful with. I thought our offensive line played excellent against Utah. Um, I mean, there was a couple things that, that, that we could do to improve, but I thought that um, for the most part, we played great on, on the line of scrimmage against Utah. And I think that, from a scheme standpoint, I think that Utah is actually better than Kentucky, at least the, the the version of Kentucky that we saw in week one. So I think that our offensive line is going to be able to do an excellent job. We're going to be able to create running lanes. And I think it's all going to come down to, can we be disciplined and sound? Can we avoid uh, penalties? Can we avoid false starts? Can we avoid holding calls? I think if we could be disciplined in that in that regard, I think our offensive line will be a great strength in the game on Saturday night. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think Florida will control both lines of scrimmage. I mean, shifting over to that, I, I agree with what you said about Kentucky's offensive line versus Florida's defensive line. I do think Kentucky's offensive line will look better. I think the stats will be better. I think they will definitely – Eclipse 1.9 yards per rush. I think the tape will look more respectable for them, but I think Florida will also look better on its defensive front than they looked against Utah, which is not really saying a lot because they did not look very good. But as I mentioned earlier, they, they do have the one guy. They do have DeAndre Square that does kind of frighten me a little bit. He can be a game record if you're not careful with him. But Florida's offensive line did a phenomenal job this past week against uh, against Utah. I mean, you can tick them off. Uh, Austin Barber, Kingsley Iguacan, Richie Leonard, Richard Garage, Osiris Torrance, Ethan White, my guy, Ethan White, just and, and Kingsley each had a play where they just literally threw a Utah defender to the ground. Uh, Kingsley's was on that, that Richardson run, the 45-yard touchdown run at the end of the first half. Kingsley just tossed the guy down like a rag doll. 
Whites was a little more subtle, I guess, and hard to see, but he hit a solid pancake too. Um, it actually wasn't even on, on a great play, but he just had a nasty wipeout block that, you know, golf clap, like, okay, I see that. Well done. Well done. Again, uh, Square is a guy that Florida's going to have to be very careful with, but I think Florida has, at the very least, I think a slight advantage here. And I think at most Florida could really do damage on the ground. What do you guys think? There's no reason for us to not, excuse me, replicate the production that we had off the offensive line of the run game this Saturday night like we did last Saturday night. I, I totally expect us to pick up where we left off. I think that this is a line that is very good. We're coming out of and I think we haven't really talked about this yet. We're coming out of this game healthy. We're coming out of this game healthy. Kentucky is not. I think this offensive line is going to be able to push their will again. I, you know, I understand the underscore is going to, I think, make plays in this game. I think he'll, he'll make some stops in the running game. He might even get to the quarterback. But overall, this offensive line has so vastly improved in one year over the last couple of years. This is a unit that's going to be a major strength in this team, like we mentioned in multiple podcasts now. So I fully expect this to be uh, another area where we, we have an opportunity to dominate. I think this is – we're going to look back and say this is one of the first Florida-Kentucky games in a couple of years where we truly dominated the line of scrimmage at the point of attack. Yeah, that's a good point. Even even in that 2020 game, the score gets lopsided at the end, but that's that's a 10-7 game at halftime. Florida's not really owning the line of scrimmage. Kentucky wore down at the end, but that was, that was a case almost like Clemson-Georgia Tech the other night. But when you guys hear this, uh, I mean, Clemson – on the offensive line, did not look great on the offensive line for about two and a half quarters. Kind of, sort of started tilting that that matchup in their in their favor towards the end of the game, but it took a while. I don't think that if that's the case, that that bodes well for Florida this time. I think that Florida needs to make a statement on its offensive line, and I think they will to a degree. I think that that I mean, obviously, Torrance was a huge. He's a massive pickup from Louisiana, but the guys around him are going to have to do have to do their jobs too, and I think that they will. White, as I mentioned, Garage Kingsley, Austin Barber. I mean, a, a guy that we haven't really talked a ton about. We didn't, I guess, know where he'd fit into the offensive line. He got his moment. I mean, he he played a few snaps. He he was in on that touchdown run, that forty five yard run by Richardson. He was in. He was on the right side of the line on that play, and he and he did his job. He held his block. It did not hold, but he held his block for long enough for Richardson to take off and make, you know, one of his his now signature trademark plays happen. So, uh, oh, and the other thing we got to talk about is the guys running behind them. Tra- uh, Trevor Etienne kind of kind of scared us all with that that late fumble, but aside from that, did his job. Explosive, explosive playmaker. Uh, Naquan Wright, we know what we have in him because he's been here for two years. He did his job too. He did not do anything spectacular, but he made the plays he had to make. I think he averaged four yards a carry. Chris, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's 10 carries on or 10. Yeah, 10 carries for, for 39 yards. Oh, yeah. <laughs> how, could I, how, could, how could I forget about Montreal Johnson? The guy, yeah, I fumbled on the first snap, but the guy that was everything he was advertised to be and more after coming from Louisiana. And then the guy we didn't even see at all in Lorenzo Lingard. So I think Florida could absolutely impose its will on this Kentucky defensive front. 
Um, Got to be careful about square. And we'll say that I think that's the sixth time we've mentioned that on, on this pod, but assuming we, we hold him in check, if we even double him and, and dare someone else on that front to beat us, I think Florida is in good shape to, you know, let, let the juices start flowing, uh, open up some holes, push Kentucky back a little bit, install their will, instill their will. And by the third or fourth quarter, have them with their hands on their hips in the same vein that we talked about having, you know, with Utah didn't really come to fruition, I guess, aside from the one guy puking, but having them, having them tired, having them cramping, having them just not thrilled with the atmosphere um, in Van Hill Griffin stadium. Okay. So with that all taken care of guys, before we get to our official verdict segment is there any other particular head-to-head matchup that, that you are watching for? Is there anyone else on Kentucky or anything about Kentucky that you think Florida should be wary of? Is there anything aside from the obvious, which for Florida, ball security and run defense that we've already talked about, is there anything that you think Florida needs to particularly keep their eye on um, before we give more definitive answers uh, momentarily in the verdict? I just want to say this, Neil. Uh, Ricky Pearsall is a guy that I really want to watch. I know that he made some big-time plays against Utah, but one thing we really didn't see in the game this past Saturday, and I guess it wasn't is we didn't really take shots. I really feel like knowing what we saw from Napier in his time at Louisiana, we know this is a guy who loves to use a a high-powered run offense to set up the pass. And I look to see Ricky Pearsall um, and Anthony Richardson to connect on some big time play action pass, deep post routes in this game. And I think that's a, that's a key matchup. Um, and I think, I think Florida can take advantage of Kentucky secondary. They're good. They're S they're sec caliber, but I don't think they're anything to really hang your hat on. I think Florida can really can really push the envelope per se in in the pass department. And I look for Ricky Pearsall to be the difference. It's a good point. And I'll add that's a great point, Dustin. And the other thing I want to uh, mention is I want to see how we are at special teams a little bit. That was where I kind of gave my low mark in the recap of Utah. I want to see if we're a little bit more strategic in our in our on our kicking and and far as returning kicks or maybe if you're catching and just take the 25 yard line. Uh, And also, you know, there might be some situations where we finally have to attempt a field goal in this game. And I want to see how good of our kicker is, you know, if Adam Mihalik really is a college uh, level kicker uh, as a walk-on, you know, he ended up winning the job. He played Saturday night over a freshman Trace Mack. I'm I'm interested to see how good he is. I know uh, Kentucky has a good kicker. Um, He, you know, the guy's name now, but he had a 50-yard field goal in that in that game. So, you know, Kentucky clearly has a good a good cooking game. Um, I want to see if Florida also has one. Matt Ruffalo or Matt Ruffalo is the guy's name. Matt Ruffalo hit a 50-yard. He was three for three, connected on a 50-yard field goal. You know, he certainly has a leg that can that can help Kentucky out in those situations. So, that might be an area where I might say maybe they have an advantage of Florida because they've just proven it. And, and certainly last year in the kicking game, they certainly proved it against us. So I hope to see us uh, take advantage of that this year. Definitely agree with that. And, you know, fun fact, one of Ruffalo's three field goals came in a 10-10 game with two seconds to go in the half. 
So that was where Kentucky was against Miami, Ohio, two seconds away from halftime. They were in a tie game. They dominated the second half to their credit, and there are two halves of football. You know, they, they both count, but that's typically not a good sign. I mean, just remember remember when we played Miami of Ohio and it was 21-6 at halftime in 2010 and we were all flipping out because that was completely unacceptable. Uh, also because Florida had, what was it, 12 yards of offense, total offense in that first half. But point being, if that's the kind of stat line you put up against Miami, Ohio, who, by the way, has not particularly gotten better as a program since 2010. Yeah, obviously, the you know all the nameplates are different, but they're pretty much exactly where they were in 2010 as a football program. To be in that spot is absolutely not a good sign. So then again, college football is a week-to-week thing. Now, think back to FSU last year, almost beating a top 10 team in Notre Dame and then losing to Jacksonville State the next week. So week to week thing, different opponents can elicit different responses and different levels of motivation out of a team. And I'm sure we're going to get Kentucky's best shot. So with that all said, let's get to our final segment, the verdict. Y'all know the drill by now. We're going to go and new new this year, we're going to pick our percent chance that we think Florida has to win the game on top of our keys and our score predictions. Quick note though, we did not, I mean, we, we very briefly mentioned this. We didn't talk about it in too much detail. Florida's skyrocketed up the AP poll. I mean, they weren't ranked to start the year. So of course, you know, and anything and any ranking beside their name is new and it's fresh and exciting, but they went from being unranked and not even receiving too many votes all the way up to number 12 while Kentucky stays put at number 20 after a bit of a, as I mentioned, uh, a bit of a lackluster performance against Miami, Ohio. They did cover the spread, though, didn't they? That that was a 23.5-point spread, and they did it at the last second. They did cover that uh, by winning by 24. But nonetheless, they left a lot to be desired. Florida with a big win over a top-10 team. They are now number 12. So that means we have a top 20 matchup in the swamp this weekend, and it's time to start making our predictions for it. So uh, we we talked informally about our keys. I, I asked that that last question uh, very informally for a purpose, and that's because I think there are a lot of keys that go into this game, but hopefully we've all been saving our main keys for this segment uh, right now. So Chris, what's your key? My keys to the game are how do we improve? This is going to be, I think, a theme for me this year is how do we improve? Are we improving upon the things that do not look good on tape? Or as Billy Napier mentioned, sloppy on tape. Do we clean some of that stuff up this week? And I think in, in, in the, as the respect to cleaning things up, are we better against the run against Kentucky? That's going to be a key. Are we able to have a better downfield passing game against Kentucky? And are we better with ball security against Kentucky? I think those are the three things that stuck out for me in week one. And can we improve upon it this week? So my keys to the game, obviously, let's limit turnovers. Let's continue to improve in the penalty game and have not as many penalties as we did, especially last year with 15. So uh, let's improve on the, the seventh figure that we had this past week. And then can we are we effective at the line of scrimmage and being more physical and stopping the run game that Kentucky still poses with Cavassiers. Well, Chris, I think those keys are great. Um, 
basically took all of them from me. So I'm going to, I'm going to go a sadly different approach. A wise coach once said the best part about being one and O is the opportunity to go two and O and for Florida, the ability to win the football game begins and ends with the quarterback. And so I know, you know, this probably won't be the last time we, we mentioned the Florida quarterback, Anthony Richardson in this segment, but I'm going to, I'm going to focus my keys on him. So I'm going to, I'm going to provide two keys for him to be successful. We know that Anthony Richardson is capable of being a superstar, but can he play within the offense and make plays within the offense? Because it's not every time where that big time game breaking scramble uh, first down run is necessary. Can he make the read and go to his second or his third option when the first guy isn't open? The reason why that's important is not only will it be key to being successful in this game, but in games down the line, you're not going to have the opportunity to, to scramble down the field. You're going to have to stand and be persistent and patient and get the ball where it needs to go in the pass game because the defense isn't going to allow you to run the ball. And number two, can Anthony Richardson continue to be calm and collective? He, of course, did not throw any interceptions against uh, Utah. He almost threw one, but he didn't. He's got to continue to not. He's got to continue to be. Uh, he's got to play within himself and not turn over the ball against Kentucky. That's going to be critical. Yeah, I mean, you you just sort of let into mind perfectly. Um, very simple. Ball security takeaways. Do not fumble the ball. You cannot put the ball on the ground. That is that is Kentucky's jetway to winning this game. It, that is that's always been the great equalizer in in a football game between two teams that don't recruit from the same pool of talent. I don't know that that label is necessarily fair to Kentucky because Florida has out recruited Kentucky for sure. But typically, I use that statement to compare like. Florida and Vanderbilt or FSU and Jacksonville state. Those, those are the types of teams. I, I like to put that um, put, put that statement out for. So I don't know. I don't know that, that that's fair, but Florida is definitely the more talented team. And that is how you lose games to less talented teams. Um, another answer to that is just don't get kicks blocked and return what 60 yards for a touchdown. But we'll, we'll assume that, that that fluky type of play doesn't, happen just because it's so it's so rare that it's just impossible to logically predict but if florida holds on to the ball if they don't fumble richardson as you mentioned almost threw a pick if we don't turn the ball over and we're going to give our percentages in a second or percent chance for florida to win but if florida does not turn the ball over one time i think that the that the needle moves into the 90s for florida maybe maybe the high 80s i think it is extremely unlikely that Florida loses this game if they play a clean game and don't turn the ball over. So speaking of, let's give our percent chances. I think that's, I've always been fascinated by the FPI, but I don't completely respect the, the manner or the formula or the algorithm that gives them their numbers. For example, um, FSU is still favored to beat Florida in, in their, in their FPI. Uh, so I don't know that I really understand that as of this point in time could change maybe later in the year, that looks like a rational thing to predict, but as of this point in time, that does not seem reasonable. So 
We like to give our our percent chances that we think Florida has to win because we think we can be better than computers. So, Chris, you first. What do you think? I think you said uh, fifty nine in the preseason episode. Uh, what 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 do you what do you think now? I was at sixty, uh, and I would say, and actually on the FPI I think because every week I like to go on the ESPN and actually see how it updates and fluctuates. And I noticed the FSU one. It also had LSU slightly favored to be Florida in the fifteen matchup. So. LSU didn't look too good this week. So, yeah, I think I take FBI with a grain of salt. It still has some good variables in its model, but it's a model. For me, I raised my 60%. I'm going to go 67%. I'm going to go a little bit higher. I think that just what I saw on tape from Florida versus what I saw on tape from Kentucky this past week, Florida is the better team. They have more talent. They they beat a very uh, good Utah team this week. And I just don't think you Kentucky right now, given the fact that they have lost so much uh, from this offseason to the NFL and coupled with the suspensions and the issues going on internally in the program with the status of players, I think it's just a lot to overcome to come into a what's going to be, I think, another near sellout crowd, if not another sellout crowd in the swamp this weekend for the SEC opener. We saw the effect that it had last week. I think it has a similar effect again. And once again, we're going to say this a lot this season, Florida has the best player on the field, Kenny Richardson. And, and because of that, I'm going to raise my confidence up to almost 70%, but I'll go 67% just because, I, you know, Kentucky has won two of the last four in the series, and you do have to respect that. Sure. And I, I think the, the response to that is that Florida – probably does win the game last year if not for the ridiculous kick six and they yet you, you'd like to think that they could have won that game in 2018 they they got sloppy uh felipe franks through a couple of terrible interceptions the other side of that though florida probably should have lost in 14 they, they should have lost in 15 they definitely should have lost in 17 and they probably should have lost in 19 and even 2020 that I mean, that was a 10-7 game in the third quarter. So even when Florida's beating Kentucky, I mean, we're we're well past the days of 41 7, 63 to 5, 48-10, 48-14, uh, even 26-7 as it was in 2006. We're, those days are gone. Those are done with Mark Stoops there. They're they're a problem for us now, and we have to respect them on a yearly basis. They're almost it's a different model of program, but it's almost the way that Spurrier South Carolina was for us in that they're a lesser program historically, and they still don't recruit at the same level as us. But now that now they're recruiting close enough and the whole program has the mindset of, of wanting to beat us more than anyone else. So we got to, we got to take them a little more seriously than we once used to. So, yeah, I, I'll make another point about that. I think that we have to come to grips with this is another, a new era. And you just look at the the right. content that that social media team has been putting out, and um, you know, I just think that the players have bought into what Billy Napier is, is saying to them, and I, he is coaching them harder than they've ever been coached in their lives. But they're receptive of it, and I think that they're going to continue to improve each week, week in and week out. And we all said what Billy Napier baseline has to do. They start beating the Kentuckys, start beating the Missouri, start beating the South Carolinas year in and year out. That's the baseline at Florida that you have to do in the SEC East. You have to beat those three teams that we've started to lose a grasp on that we should, uh, we're beating historically. 
Um, you have to be able to consistently beat them first before then you go worry about the Georgias of the world. So, or even LSU. Or even LSU, right. So I think that this is an opportunity for Billy Napier to put a, a, make a statement early in his first SEC game ever as Florida head coach to turn that tide and start longer streaks against these programs like Kentucky, like South Carolina. And the, the one thing to that I'll add before I give my percentage is I think that the players not only have bought in to what Billy Napier is saying, I think that, that they genuinely know that Utah was not the end of anything. It was not the crowning achievement of anything. Whereas a year ago, after they lost to Alabama, they weren't saying this. They, they're not stupid enough to say this. But there, there was the sense that, that they were content. Oh, we took Bama down to the wire. We almost beat them. That's not quite good enough. And I think, whereas before it was in the backs of their heads, but they didn't want to acknowledge it, they, they know. And, and, and they will tell you that that they know. And they will say, you know what? We're not done. We know that the tape is sloppy. We agree with Coach Napier. We know we have more to go. And it starts this week against Kentucky. With that all said, I said 60 in the pregame or in, in the preseason pod. I will up that slightly to 61%. And I base that off of my assumption that I, I refuse to believe Kentucky's offensive line was as bad as the tape and the statistics said they were against Miami, Ohio. I refuse to believe that they're going to be that helpless against against Florida's defensive front, which, by the way, did not look great against Utah. So I I think that Florida is going to be, what, what are they now, five-point favorite? I think that they will be about you know, between four and seven by the time the game rolls around. I'll say that they're a 61% chance uh, favorite. It doesn't That English doesn't really make sense, but you know what I mean. I'll say 61%. So Kentucky is, for lack of a better phrase, they're a shell of what we really expected them to be. There's, without going into a ton of detail at this point, though, as mentioned a little bit earlier, but their, their running back situation is not, it's not ideal. Um, and for that reason, I'm concerned about their ability to be productive on, in both the run and the pass. Obviously against Miami of Ohio, they were adequate passing, but they did not have the run game. On top of that, I, we've also seen more, more on tape from them. And for that reason, I'm going to have to bump mine up. I said 56%. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to give it a, a, a nice 69% chance for Florida to win. Um, Hashtag nice. Yeah, it's very nice. So, yeah. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, 69%. I, I think Florida's going to – I think they have a good shot to, to win this one. Um, let me also say this real quick, real quick, if, if, if it's okay. Um, I did not get the chance to grade Florida's performance, um, and I'm, I'm not going to belabor the point by doing so in, in, in a specific manner. But let me just say this. Florida did not give – they were not even close to providing their best game. I partially picked Florida to beat Utah – because I expected Florida to give somewhat something close to what their best could be, given the circumstance, given the hype, given the, the offseason program. We did not see that. I fully expect Florida to give a much better version of the 2022 team in this game against Kentucky. Okay, so 
Chris is 67. I'm 61. Dustin is hashtag nice at 69. Let's get our score prediction, guys. We're all in agreement that Florida has somewhere in the 60s percent chance to beat Kentucky. We were all pretty much in agreement on our score predictions a week ago. We were all within a couple of points. What do we say this week? So my prediction is Gators 34, Kentucky 17. I think we easily cover the spread. I think we flex our muscle in this game. I think game outside of maybe the first quarter is never in doubt. Florida dominates the football game, dominates the stats you like they did last year, but this year the school reflects it. 34-17, Gators win. Wow. I'm going to go with Florida 35, Kentucky 24. I think Anthony Richardson has a five-touchdown night, three touchdowns through the air, and two more on the ground. Uh, you guys are you guys got some big score predictions there. Um, I think Florida wins the game. I don't think it's a blowout. I know Kentucky is down Chris Rodriguez. I know that they don't have Wanda Robinson. I know that they don't have Josh Pascal. I know that you know the architects of their really good team in in eighteen. Uh, you know, guys like Cash Daniel are are long gone. But there's just something about the DNA of this program that they will always fight. They will always stand tall against Florida. They will always give more than their best effort. They will always dig deep to find reserve tanks of energy against Florida. And even when they lose, like I, you know, we said a few minutes ago, it's not usually by blowout. 2016 and, and 2020 aside, it's not by blowout. So I think Florida wins 31-24. I think Kentucky scores first. I think that this is a a very scary situation heading into the you know Tom Petty sing along. But I think Florida gets together, they regroup the offensive line digs deep and gets mean. The defensive line will finally make some plays in the fourth quarter. I think that, again, I just cannot believe Kentucky's offensive line is that bad from what I saw against Miami, Ohio's tape, and from the stat sheet where they got uh, they gave up four sacks and they could only rush for 1.9 yards pop. But I think Florida will dig deep. They will get the job done in the end. The belief that Billy Napier has installed in his players – I think does win the game. So 31-24 is my prediction. We are all, again, in agreement on the outcome of the game. Guys, um, I'm probably a little bit more nervous than both of y'all, but I'll be there. I'll be screaming my lugs out again. I I willingly killed my own voice this past weekend, and th- th- there's a meme <laughs> of a certain dog. Uh, we're not going to quote it exactly because that's we're trying to keep these pods clean, but I'll effing do it again. I will do it again and give the Gators all the energy that I've got in my lungs. <laughs> Dustin, Chris, I know you will too. Can't wait, guys. Yeah, yeah you, you don't think I have a voice now? Just wait till the post-game pod for the Kentucky game. <laughs> oh, man. Well, hopefully we'll all, maybe, maybe we'll all have a voice for the post-USA. That is a good hope. Yeah. Yes, that is a good hope. Um, I mean, I'll still be getting loud for that. I still want to make South Florida's lives miserable. But hopefully, you know, with the game getting to be 31-7 at the end of the midway to the second quarter, it's not really a need for it anymore. 
yeah, that'll that that game will hopefully be where we get to see Kitna show his muscle. Hopefully, we get Jack Miller in there too. He's supposed to be back fairly soon. Oh, but, yeah. oh great! Yeah, I look forward to that. But yeah, guys, Kitna and Miller. Yeah, let's let's do it. Let's be there. Let's be loud. Um, I I think I'll see both of you guys there. We should all uh, get together. We should we should meet up and uh, talk about the game some more. But until then. Y'all, everyone listening, go Gators. Y'all stay safe. Y'all stay healthy. Rest those voice boxes up because we're going to need you in orange. Mind you, do not wear blue. Please, please do not wear blue. Um, I guess white is acceptable, but please wear orange. Be loud. Go Gators. See y'all in the swamp. All right, Neil, real quick. I didn't get to do it for the the post-game pod for – for Utah, you don't even I have think, a voice now. You're gonna, you're gonna exalt. Okay, okay, go for I it. I think, I think Billy Napier's first win. I mean, the most epic home opener for the Gators in history. I think, I, I think, I'm that's safe to say. Then going back to 1969 when Florida beat Houston, if not mistaken. I think that. I think this one still takes the cake, given the circumstance. None of us were alive for that. We can't say that, but yeah, sure. Oh, it's, it's. I'll give it to you in the moment. Go for it. I digress. Go Gators! Woo! Big Kentucky! Yeah! Dustin's going to go it? down in in, uh, in lore. If Florida does beat Kentucky, we'll all say he used the last remaining 5% of his voice to deliver that. But he's right. <laughs> go Gators! Beat Kentucky. Let's do it.